0: Okay. And then the other thing is, we want a um, person. Can someone volunteer to do a to to post a quote from this class in the Soul Group on uh, on the Soul Group on Facebook? Every week, we're going to ask one girl to be the Inspired Soul Sister of the week and um, post a quote from the class. Whoever was in the class, and maybe something else that inspires you through the week, whether it be an article or like something you saw or story or video or you know, whatever, just to get, because there's so many amazing women on that group and it'd be great to have people sharing. Um, so, I feel people really like it. People, a lot of people tell me they like the like the inspiration through the week online as well. So, it doesn't have to always come from me. It's boring, you know. So, um, so who would like to just, all you have to do tonight is to pick something, that some comment or quote that might resonate with you. Um, write it down and just post it in the Facebook group tomorrow. Thanks. Appreciate it. Okay. Um, okay, so let's look into. I just want to share with you this. It's always good to look inside. I obviously had I had a, had a fight with my printer, and I don't know who won. <laughs> I think the printer did. Um, but I got it on one page. Ha ha ha. Right? This is a Avos, Epics of Our Fathers, chapter 1, verse 12. I hope I have enough here. I might. I might. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I receive the tradition from them. Hillel says, "Be among the disciples, the students of Aaron, loving peace and pursuing peace, Ohev Shalom, Barodet Shalom, loving people, Ohev and bringing them closer to the Torah." What questions would you have on that on that verse on that sentence? What might look like it's either redundant, or why does it need to say this or that? Yeah.
1: Is it saying like, loving peace and pursuing peace, and then like, loving, like comparing like loving peace, loving people, and then pursuing peace, and like, pursuing peace, like pursuing peace could be compared to the second thing you
0: said then? Oh, you thinking there's a parallel there? Mm-hmm. Between like, loving peace and people, and then mm-hmm. pursuing pe- okay. peace? Okay. Or peace-loving and loving peace. Mm-hmm. Okay, I hear that. That's a good question like if you love peace wouldn't you just pursue it naturally ah excellent you hear the question say it again if you love peace wouldn't you pursue it naturally not have to be told to do it. exactly why is the Torah telling us to do it to pursue peace if you love it you already would pursue it right now the thing is like why why would it say peace twice wouldn't it just say because we know Torah doesn't mean words. there's no extra word in the Torah oh, well, so why would not it just say love and pursue peace if it's going to insist on telling us to pursue it so you just say love and pursue peace not love peace and pursue peace, right? Doesn't need the extra word there. There's no extra words in Torah, so something else deeper is going on there. What else? What's with the iron Ar- thing? And that's ah, is it? Yeah, I think so. <laughs> I'm so mean. <laughs> well, that's that saying no I mean, the example that I'm remembering from the Torah is when his children were killed, um, he was silent. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and that I, I believe, the example that they usually give for him, you know what I mean, kind of not reacting in a way that maybe would show that he was, you know, didn't have emunah mm-hmm. and Hashem. Mm-hmm. So he held this unbelievable sense of peace. But, like, we never met Aaron, so how can we be students of his? Yeah, Yeah. but what does it mean being to be students of Aaron? What does that mean? So why does not tell us to love peace and pursue peace? Why does it need to tell us to be students of Aaron? And what does it mean to be students of Aaron? If I never met Aaron, I'm never going to meet Aaron. How can I be a student of someone I never met?
1: To walk in
0: the ways. Right, to walk in the ways of Aaron. So it's about following a pathway of Aaron. And you're right Aaron was the one that brought into the world peace he wasn't just someone who um, stood up for peace and, and embodied peace we know with the avos with the forefathers that whenever you do something for the first time in the world it created like a spiritual dna for that thing to be brought into the world right so Aaron brought in Shalom Aaron brought in Shalom um for example, a Kate Avraham, with a uh, Yitzhak with a Kate of Yitzhak, right, with the binding of Isaac. It's not such a big deal to die for what you believe in. A lot of people nowadays, the IDF, are dying for what they believe in, you know, to protect the country. Or A lot of people are willing to give their life for that. They're like, why was it such a big hoo-ha back then? What was the big hoo-ha about Yitzhak saying, okay, that he didn't even die, but he was willing to. But okay, but lots of people are willing to. Why was it such a big deal when we talk about it endlessly now forever? Why? Because he was the first person willing to do that. And he created the possibility, the DNA, the template for that character, that meter, that quality to come into the world. And now we know why we can all do that and we access that in ourselves, that ability of courage and that standing up for what we believe in to that degree. So the Avos were like the roots of these things that brought it into existence in the world and now we can access it in our DNA. Aaron was the representation of Shalom. Um, When he... When, when Moshe was, uh, was announced as the, the leader, God said to Moshe, you're going to lead the Jewish people, he even argued and said, no, no, it should be Aaron. Right? He so said, it should be my brother. Even though he was the older one. Even though, right, even though he was the older one. So, okay. Also, when it says, what do we learn about the Talmudim of Aaron? Right? The students of Aaron. It's setting a bar very high about what we should aim for. You know that you're a student of someone, not when you would just do a couple things like they would do. Not just when, okay, I'm going to try and be peaceful, right? You're a student of someone when you can effectively say what that teacher would do in the situation. There's a gomorrah that says you know that you have a Rebbe, when you can hear the Rebbe's voice in your head, of like what you think they would say in a given situation, even though you haven't been in that situation with your teacher before. You know them so well inside, from all the contact that you've had with them, or from understanding how they operate, that you know what they probably would say in this moment, and you're probably right. That says well, that's when you know you have a teacher. So it says when well, you should be a student of Aaron, you should know what Aaron would do in the situation. What would Aaron, who stands for this Shalom, what would he do in the situation? So God says when Moshe says, you know, surely Aaron should be the leader. God says, what? You think Aaron's going to be upset? Aaron's going to be upset that you're the leader? You really think that? That's what God says to, to Moshe. He says, he says, Aaron will see you and rejoice in his heart. Not just like, oh, congratulations, Malpa Pav. Like? Yeah, if, some people and they feel like a little bit jealous or a little bit annoyed, but they don't want to like they know it's not the right thing to do, so they'll pretend. Yeah? I'm so happy for you. <laughs> you know that? You're good at it. I'm so good at it. Um, okay. So you have to know these things from the inside. Um, God is the only one that knows what's really in our heart, no matter how good an act you put on. God really knows. So here he's saying, you know, one of the things that impedes people from shalom is that when they're standing in a fight, they can't give in. They just can't give in. I just don't want to give in, right? Or they have something of mine. The feeling is they have something that I should really have. Why should they have it? Yeah? In my heart, I feel that. It's my possession. He took my business. Or that you split the businesses and you don't get what you think you should get, or split something that you didn't think you should get. So Aaron looks at Moshe, who's the younger brother. Aaron, has, who's been there in Egypt with the people, he's been the community man. He's the one that was there for everyone. Yet when his younger brother gets the job, he's thrilled, genuinely, in his heart. So we can't see that as human beings, but only Hashem sees the heart, and He says, "He'll rejoice in his heart." And people, we we often get upset, like they didn't call me, I wasn't invited. Right, our honor gets up. You know, our honor gets bruised. It's a very common human nature. You like a guy. Your friend goes out with him. Ooh, ooh. Right. You like a guy. Really cute. And then your friend's like, we're on a date with someone." The guy. The guy. And then you, t- or you told your friend you like the guy, and then she went out with him. <gasps> right. All sorts. Stirs up all sorts. Right. Apparently. <laughs> um. So. It's a, very, it's a very big deal to live with the shalom in your heart, not just on your face. Um, okay. So what what Jasmine said was completely correct. What does it mean when it says love, peace, and run after it? Anything you love, you run after. This doesn't make sense. So why say run after it? <coughs> so. One. The other question here is also why I say peace twice. Just say love and run after peace, we said. So it must mean it's two different things. It says make it a priority. Yeah, love, peace and run after it means make it absolutely a priority. Because you could love something and not run after it. Right? You could, really. You could say, I love peace, but I just, it's not just not up the top of my priorities. Here when it says run after it, it's saying make it your absolute top priority in life. Not to to, not like, okay, I'll get around to Yom Kippur, I'll say my sorries in once a year I'll get around to it. No, saying make it a priority, run after it. Here's a deeper idea. It says, Oh have Shalom, loving peace, is the optimum to love it. But what if you don't love it? What if you just don't care? What if really deep down you just don't care about peace so much? Okay, you know, it's a, you know you should, and you know it's a good important value, and okay, technically, but like in my heart, it's not really a priority, I don't, I don't love it, I don't love it. It's annoying, <laughs> right? It's, 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 could people exist like this, apparently? Yes. Yeah. So it says, doesn't matter, if you don't love it, run after it. Pursue it anyway. Even if you don't love it, run after it. That's the, that's the double lotion here, right? O F Shalom, but if you don't love peace, doesn't matter. Rodef Shalom, run after it anyway, right? Which is probably more of what many people feel. In fact, it's really hard when you know you've done something wrong and you've had a, an argument with someone, the last thing you want to do is run after them for an apology and make up. It, it's horrible. You have to face the feelings. You have to face you did something wrong. and It's horrible. You have to face yourself. I don't, to, I don't want to do that, but it says, no, 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 run after it. Run after it. That reminds me of also like do and then understand. Not right? the, the, like, the, of the like just do it anyway. And like, run after it, and then you'll kind of come to and, love it after. yeah, that. good point. I like that connection. Yeah, that's a good point. I like uh, that. I'm thinking like even if you think you're right, forget about like, right even if you're right, and you you have to run after, to after it anyway. Right? <laughs> even if you're completely right objectively, yeah. you should still run after because it, it's it's interesting. It says that peace. Further down the track, it says peace is not a value in of in and of itself. The reason we value peace so much is because of what it does for the other person or the people involved. That the the peace itself is because of what it does to you and the other person. It's not just like oh, we value peace because it's nice. Like it's what it, what it does for you. That's why we say run after it for you and the other person. Um, and so, what is the shalom? Why does it say shalom twice? Why does it say love, peace, and run after peace? Just say love and run after peace. So it must be here because the Torah doesn't use the same word redundantly twice. But shalom here means two different things. It doesn't just mean peace. It means completeness. Completeness or Shalem, Shalem and shalom, right? The same? Yeah? That Shalem means a certain wholeness, a certain perfection. Love and run after this, this perfection of, of completing yourself and completing other people. This also, by the way, this is my interpretation here, it's like a, a Jackieism. Um, that I interpreted this also to mean about loving, being shalem in yourself, meaning an inner peace. So it's all about peace between people, it's all about external peace. But I would take this to also mean, and I, I don't know if you agree with this, but that this is also another hint to the fact that you should be always running after your own completion in your own process of growth, in yourself, your own development. You should be running after your own shalem, being shalem yourself. Development, development of your own growth, right? Putting sold as number one on your list. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I couldn't help it. Okay, but but putting your own growth as num- as number one on your list as well. Um, here's a deeper idea. What does the word It's really pursue. What does chasing something imply? Huh? But you want it. They, they're running? Yes. You only chase something. You don't chase something that's stationary. So you only chase something if it's running away. So why does it say here, love peace and chase it? That's not hard to do. But why do you have to chase it? Where's peace going? It's fleeting. What? Yes, it is. Why? It is. That was very poetic, but it actually <laughs> is. Peace is fleeting. Um, but what? what? Where's it going? Yeah, right oh, that's the court qu- for tomorrow. Peace is fleeting. You're going to have to do the hand movement. It's not the same without it. You know, and it have to be you you can and then it. we're going to have to do like a yeah, right. have to be there moment, and the whole thing's going to die. Okay. <laughs> what, 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 what does it mean that peace is running away? What does that mean? Why would you chase after something like that? Or chasing after something implies it's running away. What well, where's the what's going on? Maybe because the amount of like Torah study, um, in certain
1: ways or people's like value for Torah is kind of depleting in a way and their value for inner introspection and, and growth and how they treat people is kind of mixed up, like um, people don't really have as much of a common respect these days, and everything, lines are lost and blurred, right. so, like, I guess peace kind of in the mix of those things, and the amount of, like, um, I guess, like, self-absorption kind of, like, ruined. So where's peace going? People aren't valuing it, it's just, just could be... <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. It's that
0: people, people. Uh, I don't know. Right, you're, you're nearly there. You're only there. Priority. Yeah. Priority. So I'm going to take it a step it's further. Natural. You're right. You're okay. right, especially in this day and age. But I'm going to take it a step further, which is that peace, by definition, um, yeah, the, the the natural way of the world is that there's a natural breakdown in life, in general entropy, things naturally unravel and like and peace is not a natural state at all in fact Destruction is much more of a natural state breaking down rot things rot Yeah, we see that all the time. So the natural state is not to have this shalem beautiful Oneness wholeness is going to sustain itself peace itself by definition um, Is the chaos theory right we're in a natural state the natural state is a state of disorder things are always going to break down because we're people Right? So you get two different people who are not the same. It's very hard to sustain peace because they all always have different things going on. Um, unless they're actively running after peace, people won't have peace. You can have shalom without being shalem. It's deeper, even deeper, right? So a couple, for example, cannot be fighting. So they're shalom. They're not fighting, but they're still not shalem. So what does that mean? What would that mean? Couples not fighting. So they're shell them. But so they're not shell so them. They're, they they're, they're not at peace. They're not peace. What does that, that mean? To, they know how to
1: practice peace, but they're not fully absorbed in it. But they know how to practice it.
0: Right. Which is okay. It's okay. <laughs> it's broken <drunk and> process. <laughs> right. It's right. Right. not the ideal, especially not the ideal for the three ladies that we were talking about getting, right. getting married. <laughs> um, right. Anyone else want to have a stab at that? Like when you see in the movies, like people like get like in the movies, people get divorces because they're like, I feel like we're living in the same house, but yes. I never see you. Yeah, like, they're living there, they're not fighting, they're not fighting. There's no like, there's nothing really there, there's no connection. There's, yes. no connection. there's no connection. Do you see that shalem really means to have a sense of closeness, a sense of oneness, a sense of connection, actively being feeling connected? So one is positive, one is negative, but they're not connected, but they're peace. Like, because one's not fighting. Like, one refuses to fight. They're a positive person. The other person's a negative person.
1: So it's like they negate themselves out. Like, yeah. So there's nothing there. There's nothing
0: there. So they're destroying themselves, in fact, by doing that. Even though there's no obvious conflict. So you can have Shalom without being Shalem. Right? And the Torah here is saying the deeper thing by saying the two, two Shaloms, you know, saying it twice. It's saying actively chase after being Shalem, not just Shalom. Um... What does that mean, Rodef Shalom? To chase after Shalom or Shalem? It means you always have to chase closeness; otherwise, you won't have it. You won't have Shalom. A lot of people think this comes into play after a fight or after something goes wrong, but that's when I—that's when I make my Shalom. But it's a mistake. It applies before a fight. This applies before—before before anything goes wrong. Remembering to call, remembering to be considerate, giving a card. Yeah. You're bringing them a cup of water. Even friends. We're talking friends. We're talking couples. We're talking... Couples. We're talking like being actively proactive yeah. in creating... and being up. active. And that's the chasing. It's a verb. It's not what point do you stop chasing. Chasing no, what? Never. 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 Seriously? Yeah. But you we're, but saying, we're right? talking about people you want in your life. To that. Okay. A massive destructive verb. Not. Word word like not <laughs> but she's getting ahead. there. She's getting there because that's the next question. I love this. We just segwayed straight into It's perfect. What what what's what's a what's the what's the what's the issue what's the issue, what what's what's bugging you about this, it's good. I think that there are people that you can only chase for so long, and when they're yes. not um,
1: receptive,
0: yes. yeah. excellent. That's the next question. Real beautiful, this is unbelievable. Okay, let's. Where is it? I I did write it down. One second. I want to get it right. Ah, here we go. What happens when the other person is not willing to hear anything? What happens when the other person is running away? What do you do? Do you chase forever? So it says here, you can't maintain the same level of shalom with that person. If they're running away and they're not into shalom, You nothing you can do. You try and try and try and you run and you try and you apologize and they're not into it. Maybe they're not well. Maybe they're, they're dysfunctional. Maybe, What do you do? It so says you switch tactics. They aren't your best friend anymore. They can't be your best friend anymore. So you have to pull away. However, you don't just pull away because that's not that's going to break shalom. You have to pull into something new. So what does it say? It says, loving people. Right? You should love peace. have shalom. Varod of shalom. Pursue peace. have esabrius. Es if you can't keep someone close to you like you, if you were a student of Aaron, that he just loved everyone up, right? If you if you watched Aaron, his way was to love everyone up. Moshe was like the Rebbe, and he opened the books and worked with everyone, right? Aaron, if you saw him, it says he used to befriend Roshoyim, evil people, meaning he wouldn't just befriend them, but he would say hi, good morning, and even a Rasha, an evil person, would feel so like touched that Aaron like noticed them and acknowledged them and treated them like a beautiful human being and loved them. That they would want to improve themselves and they would want to do tshuva and they would want to correct themselves because they, they didn't want to let him down. That's how he actually brought people closer to Torah. That was Aaron's way. just loving everyone. Just loving peace and loving everyone. So be like Aaron like that with everyone. Have close connections. Love peace and pursue peace. But if you can't, if the person's running away and you can't do any more, then you have to switch tactics, pull into something new and then just love all of Hashem's creations. Love all people. You can love it. Okay, it's a Shem's creation. I'm going to love them because they're a Shem's creation. But they're not your best friend anymore. You don't have to have them in your inner circle, right? So when I, I once thought of this as well, and I had a problem with it because a lot of people that are very harmful. The way it was described to me once, it was very helpful. Was imagine that you're standing in a web, and you have multiple concentric circles around you, like a web, a web, and and you're connected by like a, a string with all these different circles of people around you. Inner circles your family, then you have your close friends, then you have your community or your work, and then you have, you know, as you go so there's certain people there and you realize that they're damaging, then you give them more slack on the rope and you let them drift out into an outer circle. But you don't cut the cut the rope. You still keep shalom. I still love you like as a person, I want the best for you. I can't be close to you anymore. Maybe I can actually find someone else to help you with something. So I can still love you and treat you as if you're one of God's creations. Right, you, you, I, I, still love. Oh, Rius, I still love you as a person. You just can't be in my close inner circle, right? it's not, it's not good for me. I have to also love myself, right? Isn't it clever. So it's taking you through the levels here in, in the puzzle. Yeah. Yeah, but doesn't that also hurt the idea of peace if someone wants to be in your inner circle and then? Saying, no, 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 you're not there anymore. I still love you as a person, but you're not in circle. Well, you and don't tell them, them that necessarily. You have to be tactful, but if you've tried no, really to pursue peace with them, like, if you've tried to pursue peace with them in many different ways, mm-hmm. and they will not respond and reciprocate peace mm-hmm. to you, mm-hmm. so, they're, so it's usually abusive emotionally, mm-hmm. if someone's like that. I mean, you don't have to be responsible for someone abusing you and being harmed because someone's abusing you. True. Right? That's true. Right. So then, so you wouldn't say it, you would just become busy and say, oh, I'd love to, but I can't do it. You know, like you would just gently, you don't have to say, I'm sorry, you can't be in my inner circle anymore, right? Like, but it's funny because people, it's not even, it's not funny, but people do do that. They think if they decide that, they should just tell someone that, right? But that, you're right, that causes pain. But
1: ultimately, if you're chasing and
0: they're not responding, they They don't don't want to be there anyways. Yeah, they don't want to be there anyways. If you're really chasing them and they don't reciprocate. Yeah, or if you try, you can't be responsible for other people to, to, to a certain point. After you've tried. Yeah. So okay. that
1: that these three things are in like descending order of importance. Yeah. That like loving peace is most connection and most important, and then pursuing peace is less so, and then loving peace is less so. Because it sounds like. I think it, there's
0: many different there different ways to look at it. You should love peace for the sake of peace, because of what of what it brings people. Um. That it. That's what Aaron what Aaron stood for. He loved all people. He just loved people. Some people. Um.
1: you should attempt to do it
0: in? You should love peace, but if you can't love peace, you should pursue it anyway. And if you pursue it anyway and someone doesn't reciprocate, then you should just love them as a, as a, as a creation. That's one interpretation of, of it. Um, okay.
1: Can you love peace and still pursue it at the same time?
0: Yeah. Because right, yeah.
1: like we're saying like pursuing like very negatively, like you have to chase it, but what if you kind of have it and you still want to also pursue, I guess, more and more?
0: No, that you said that that's the ideal. That is the ideal. To do both at the same time. Yeah, to do both at. So that's
1: like what, what she said earlier with having both, or no? About having that I, paradox. Is that like related to that? Like you're having peace and you're happy, but you're also still pursuing and understanding other things at the same time. With Danny. Right. Danny said before about how like and you give the example like you're happy but you also like lost somebody so you don't know what to do with a right like a right then. So is that kind of like you have, you're, you, like you love peace on one side, but then you're also still like willing to pursue it and explore loving it more, or they're not connected to one another? It
0: says that you have to pursue peace, because if you don't, it will run away from you naturally. Because the natural order of the world is that peace won't sustain itself. When I say peace, I mean now closeness. Shall so if you don't keep pursuing, it, you're not gonna have. Yeah, you think? Oh, once I'm close with someone, that's it. You know that the famous joke that a couple gets married and that and the wife complains, you never say I love you. And she said, What do you mean? I mar- I love you. I married you, didn't yeah. I? Like I married you. We. I said I love you. Under the it's Not. I'll let you know if something changes. <laughs> right? <laughs> <laughs> funny, right, like, what? Like, no, no, like, women need this all the time, right? Like, women, right? Why? It doesn't make sense. Like, of course, you know they love you, right? They're marrying you. Like, they're just committed to... No, that's, you have to actively pursue closeness. Women get this. We really should give this path to men, right? <laughs> like, men don't really... They're practical, more. But, like, you have to actively do this. And then, for women, I think this is more... Applies to, um, you know, relationships that are challenging family especially, right? Family's not so easy, yeah? You kind of don't choose your family. You end up there. And you're like, seriously? Like, could it, you know? Do I have to be with this third cousin twice removed for the whole day, <laughs> right? I forgot his name. <laughs> you know, it's like, I, and you do. And you do. And there's, there's a certain muscle that you're building there by being in that family, in that situation, by pursuing <laughs> peace, and by actively pursuing peace. And if you don't, it will slip away from you. Yeah.
1: What if um, pursuing peace or detaching from peace contradicts another mitzvah? Like, if you no. want to detach from your parents, but it's
0: disrespectful to keep whatever age? Great. Okay, so usually with those situations, you have to go and see a about discussing the specific, because we know that MS is not so simple, right? MS, which is the Torah's truth in the situation. Truth in the situation is not so simple. So I've, I actually know of people where rabbis have said, you are not allowed to be in touch with your parents. I know, I know of people that have, you know, or you do not have to go home and visit, or you don't have to, right? Why? Because you're not allowed to abuse yourself. You're not allowed to put yourself at risk at all for just, you know, for the sake of a mitzvah. So it's the other way. You're as equal, to every, to, you're as, equal as everyone else. So um, honoring your parents, for example, wouldn't mean doing so at the expense of your own damage. Ever. Yeah? Which means that you can't be told to do a mitzvah if it also means doing an nevairah. Right. If you're committed to something, and then someone else, like a parent, even tells you to do something that breaks the Torah, you're not obligated to honor your parents by breaking the Torah. Yeah. Right. So it's the same, same sort of thing. So the priority, that's not the M.S. in the situation. Okay. But then it's very easy to say, but you're disrespecting your parents, and that's another mitzvah. Right. So you have to look. There's a whole book called The Fifth Commandment, which is actually all about honoring your parents and what it really means. It's a book, it's a whole book, an art scroll in English called The Fifth Commandment. It's very interesting about what it means to honor your parents, notice it doesn't say love. Do you know you're not obligated to love your parents? Isn't that wild? I mean, we do, but like, that's not. we're not obligated. That's not what it means. It's fascinating. What does it mean? oh, to, to honor your parents? Does it, it doesn't mean love. It doesn't mean love. It means there's a certain respect that I appreciate that they gave me life. They changed every single dirty diaper in the middle of the night for me. Right, as bad as I think they were as parents, or as good as I think they parents, it doesn't matter what I think as far as like what I got and what I didn't get. Right, they did their best with what they had, and they had serious sacrifice for me. Right, they brought me into this world, and they changed every diaper and they gave me every meal. And like just for that alone, we should be indebted forever. Right, just for that alone. So there's certain respect that I actually wouldn't be standing here if it wasn't for them. Right. And, and it's got nothing to do with, oh, only when you've done X, Y, and Z and I think you're a good parent, would I show you then the respect. Yeah, it's not about that. Any other thoughts, comments? That's a big topic I and mean, it's a whole other, whole other topic. Should we do a, should we do a um, meditation? I don't know the last... Should we end on the side of the Oh bring people closer to Torah? So that's that's talking about Aaron again. I love her, I love it, I love it. I love it. She's, she's gonna rock Nevada. I mean she is going to just rock yeah. Bring them you should love you should love people and bring them closer to Torah. This was referring to the quality in Aaron that we were talking about before, that when you absolutely love people. For the sake of being God's creation, that you see them as a child of Hashem. I once asked a rabbi when I started working in Jewish outreach and teaching, and I said, like, I, I was nervous and what am I doing teaching? I don't really know, you know, like I didn't grow up religious or anything. And he said, and I said, I'm not sure like how to view it when I walk in. He said, when you view it, look at them as all of God's daughters. Like, look, or I was teaching in the girls' school. So look at them as all as all as children of Hashem, and you've been like entrusted to. To help guide these children. So this is looking at it like this. This is what he was telling me to do. I didn't realize this came from this passage. But look at look at love people so much that through your love of them, it will bring them closer to Torah, which was Aaron's way. That's what Aaron did. He would just love people, and through him, lo- through him loving people, they didn't want to let him down, and they wanted to become a better person because of how he treated them and how he looked at them and how he how they felt when they were around him. But that's what we're striving to be. And that's also then about... That's the ultimate of pursuing peace, really. Because that's the shalem. That's the closeness. So it's interesting, because you think it means I'll join up to a cura program. But it doesn't. Like, bring people closer. Like, the real bringing closer someone closer to Torah is by them wanting to be like you. And aspiring to be like you as a leader, as a person, because you love people. And that's what Aaron did, and that's what we strive to do. So I just want to add a piece in, because we we have a little bit of time about... um, Hi. (coughs) About... um, Inner peace, this is all about peace externally. So, um, there's a paradox that the more I, I, I learn about it and, and apply it, it's quite astounding that um, inner peace comes from when you're in with yourself. And obviously then it's easier to do that with other people if you're shalom with yourself. So what does that mean, being shalom with yourself? What does it really mean to be shalom with yourself? Maybe like some co like yeah. really fine with what you have, not one. Really fine with what you have. Like really okay with what you have and I wouldn't just say what you have but who you are. Yeah. Your imperfections. Because I feel that, especially in this day and age, we're so judgmental on ourselves. We're not perfect, we're not this, we feel bad, we should be good at that, we should be good why are they good at that, I'm not a good Right? There's so much that head noise and that judgment that how can you love someone else if you're not starting here? You know, the world peace starts at home. So, let's just end on like literally, I'll do a visualization with you, like a couple minutes, not a long, long thing. And because it's just easier when you get a sense of your internal world with yourself. Do you want to do that? Just finish on the top. You'll leave all chilled out and peaceful. Um, So, okay. So just sit comfortably, feeling your feet on the ground, back against the chair. If you have phones on, just turn them on silent for a couple minutes. And taking a deep breath. feeling just noticing, not feeling just noticing your inner inner world like what's going on? are you? Are you uh, tense? are you relaxed? Are you hot are you cold? closing your eyes if you feel comfortable it's better to if you can. If not you can look down gently at the floor and just noticing how your breath is. taking a deep breath into your stomach, and just allowing yourself to notice what's going on. Notice which parts of your body feel more relaxed. And just starting with an awareness at the top of your head. and just scanning down your body, just giving permission for yourself to relax and be here in this moment with nothing else to worry about or think about. Starting with the top of your head, just noticing your scalp and moving down into your forehead and your face. Permission to relax. Moving all the way down your face into your neck, the back of your head. Finding relaxing, easy, Bringing your awareness down into your shoulders, just noticing them without judgment. Just what are they like, as they are. And as you take a deep breath, you just drop deeply and easily, further and further, moving your awareness down into your heart, shoulders, chest area, Scanning down your back, your stomach, all the way down your arms. Relaxing easily, effortlessly. Letting yourself sink onto the chair and let it support you. Moving your awareness down into your pelvis, your legs down into your knees, your calves, all the way down into your ankles, the tips of your toes and your fingers. Taking a deep breath and relaxing deeper and deeper, easily into a place inside yourself that just is there. And just noticing what it's like to be quiet and be still. No right and wrong. Notice what your head's saying and doing. Are you able to be present with yourself? And it's in this moment that we bring in the awareness of Hashem, just remembering that Hashem is right here, right now with you in this room, personally, in your life. There's a higher power, higher force that we call God, that loves you very, very, very much is right here, right now with you. Loving you. Watching over you. Unconditionally. No matter how imperfect or how bad you think you are. Or how much you can improve. Hashem is loving you unconditionally just notice how that feels to realize that for a moment are you able to let yourself feel that do you not really believe it do you believe it how does it feel he's right here right now with you loving you surrounding you, believing in you? And can you adopt the same attitude? What's it like for you with your own imperfections? Can you accept the way you are? just know that however you are, strengths and weaknesses, that you're absolutely okay. And that it's okay to have these strengths and weaknesses. Just to entertain the possibility that there is a place where you can embrace all of who you are, as you are in this moment. Knowing that you want to improve, and that's fine. But you're absolutely lovable, as you are right now, without changing a thing. And notice how that feels to entertain that possibility. That you are enough. And that this is the MS. And with this new possibility planted, bringing this sense of inner peace and acceptance to whatever level you can access it, bringing it back slowly, slowly into the room, in your own time, when you're ready, feeling your feet on the ground, finding it easy to bring it with you, taking a deep breath, and in your own time, opening your eyes back into the room. Anyone want to share comment? Don't have to, but sometimes people like to like to share their experience. What did you notice? Was it hard to
1: do? I think when some sometimes when you get really self-critical and you're really hard on yourself, you forget that like like the thing you said at the end that like God made you that way. So like you start to be really hard, and you I, and I, even I think when you start to implement things in in Torah into your life, you start to like. A, do it too rapidly, and B, um, you think that you need to change the bad parts of yourself so fast, Mm because those are the imperfections you have. Right. you don't realize that those are given to you for a purpose, and that those come slower um, to change. And you're lovable even with them. Even with them, I believe.
0: You're lovable with them. Mm -hmm. Like, we really somehow believe we're not. It's like a human condition to, like, feel like, until I'm kind of more perfect, then I'll be lovable. And it, it undermines your own growth, ironically. It holds us back, but it's a good point. Yeah, that even the challenges are given to us for a reason. You all did that pretty well, I must say, I was pretty impressed that you all were able to quieten yourself down quite quickly and go into a a place. Do you feel more peaceful? A little bit? Okay. It's a muscle, self-acceptance. It's a muscle to practice. Have a peaceful week so much. Thank you.